Welcome to Speaking of Travel with Marilyn Ball. Sit back and be carried away to places around the world and right here in our own backyard. No passport required. Hi, this is Marilyn Ball, and you're listening to Speaking of Travel right here on News Radio 570 WWNC and 880 The Revolution. Speaking of Travel is brought to you by Appalachian Realty. They've been helping people call Asheville home since 1979. And remember, you can go to the speakingoftravel.net website, and there you'll find past podcasts and pictures and photo galleries and all kinds of fun things. And it's all about travel. And you know, travel is one of the most intuitive ways of feeding your soul. Experiencing places you've never been really impacts your worldview and the way that you establish and maintain that view. It actually changes the way that you view the whole human race and the environment and can really become the catalyst for solving the world's real pressing issues. Well, my guest today is Dana Ruggiero, and she has traveled to work and study and explore all over the world as a filmmaker and a storyteller for the environment for 20 years. I so admire her work, and I'm really excited to have her on the show today. Hi, Dana, and welcome to the show. Marilyn, thank you so much. I love speaking of travel, and I've been following your work for, gosh, a while now, and just in awe of the amazing people that you interview, and that's what I do. I listen, and so I appreciate that you listen and you get these stories out. My project is called The Climate Listening Project, and I've been doing that project for about three years, and before that, you know, traveling around, listening to stories, and helping people connect with the environment. So I've studied science and communications, and my goal is to help bridge that gap and connect the dots between personal stories, people's real lives, and the science and the environment. And so I really enjoy getting to meet people around the world. It is my passion. It is my life. And I just released my new film. And so I'm excited to talk about that as well. (laughs) Well, it's also exciting. And we're in a space in our time and history where understanding the connection between people, humanity, climate, environment is more important than ever before. But I have to ask, so when you were a little kid and you were growing up, was traveling something your family did? Did you live out in the country? Was the environment? I mean, how did all of this kind of start connecting in little Dana's head? (laughs) (laughs) I think that I was... Probably inspired by my parents. And, you know, I grew up in New York and I was a runner. I was a little tiny little person. I'm still only about five foot tall, but I was a little tiny person and yet I was very fast, I guess. And so my father would take me and my mother would take me around the country to the Junior Olympics and I would compete. We would go to St. Louis. We went to Florida. We went to all of these states and cities. And I had an opportunity while I was there. They always made sure that. We'd do something else. We'd go up into the arch in St. Louis. We'd do something. We would see something. We would meet new people. And my my parents always were, you know, really friendly. We'd get to know people. We'd make new friends along the way. And I just loved that so much. And so the summer before my senior year... 
I actually went on my first trip alone and I went to live in Ecuador for two months as an exchange student. And that experience, I think, just cemented it for me where I said, I've got to keep going. So when you were in Ecuador, new culture, new people, new um, traditions, uh, two months. So when you came back, you were a graduating senior. What what was going on as far as where am I going to go to college? What am I going to major in? How am I going to take this to the next level? It's interesting because I kind of stayed on the path that I was already on. I had a full scholarship to college for running. And so I went to a very good running school, Division One, that had, you know, great programs and education as well. And so I, I just did that initially. I went in New York to an amazing school, um, Iona College, actually. And then you know, I was in my first year and I was learning about communications more. I was meeting new people. I mean, that that were in my university from around the country and around the world, really getting exposed to so many amazing new people. And so after my first year, I decided to look around. And so I researched schools that were somewhere else, you know, somewhere I hadn't been before in Florida and Georgia and in the South and near beaches, near something that I hadn't experienced in my living situation before. And so I, my father loves to tell this story of my first negotiation, really. And when I called these universities on my own and told them my running times and said, hey, you want me to go there? You want to give me any money? And they said yes. And so I transferred and I went down to Florida to the university there. And I actually started volunteering at the local zoo. And by the time I was 19 years old, uh, my second year of school, I was going on television with animals from around the world, endangered species. And I was sort of stepping away from running and starting to find my true passion in life, which was the environment. I love that. <laughs> you know, I grew up in D.C. and my dad had connections at the Washington Zoo. And being able to go to the Washington Zoo and have kind of the VIP treatment because he had a connection and being able to go behind the scenes and actually talk to a porcupine close up yes. and see giant sea turtles, it changes your life. It really does. I mean, two of my cousins went into reptile. They are reptile experts in the whole world because of wow. their experience at the Washington Zoo. So really what you're saying, being able to be a part of that, seeing how the animals, the environment all played off together was becoming a passion. How did you move forward from there? You know, I was studying communications at the time. And when I got an opportunity to work with animals, I started to talk. I started to tell people, you know, we've got to save the animals. Well, here is a baby tiger. This is why it's endangered. This is what we have to do for conservation. This is what we have to do. And I worked in the media that existed at that time, television, newspapers, magazines, you know, this was 20 years ago. And so um, as social media started coming out, as different mediums of communication started forming, the internet really started becoming more of a way to communicate and chat and connect with new audiences. I I started to sort of make a shift to realizing that I couldn't just talk and tell people what to do all the time about the environment. Um, I needed to listen as well. And so I actually decided to go back to school. I got my master's in science and I shifted to a more listening 
you know, communication style. And so I've tried to lift up people and help them share their stories and find those connections between the environment and people that make people care about the animals, make people care about the environment, make people care about their environment. So how did you first step out and do that? Like, what was your first interaction of doing that? Did you line people up and say, hey, I want to come and talk to you? Sort of. I was um, switching to doing more of... um, you know, blogging on the internet. I had my first blog was called Wild Woman. And I took a job where um, I was recruited by a large newspaper company. And they were just at that time launching their online newspapers. And they needed a sort of national and regional community stewardship director to um, work with, you know, the community and help to get also folks that were out of town to know about this area. It was on the Gulf Coast. So we had 10 websites that were newspaper websites that I worked with. And the 11th website was sort of a regional tourist website that talked about travel to the area. And I had an opportunity to go out and interview the community members and to connect the dots. Like we'd sponsor the wildlife, um, local wildlife refuge events. I was working with the community in six to 10 county. I mean, gosh, I can't even remember, but so many counties and listening and sharing those stories. Wow. Well, I can't wait to hear more because I'm you're such a great advocate, too. You know, I mean, a cheerleader and an ambassador. It's awesome. Dana, thank you so much for being on the show today. And when we come back, let's just pick up right there. Great. Sounds good. Well, this is Marilyn Ball. I'm your host. You're listening to Speaking of Travel. I'm here with Dana Ruggiero. We'll be back right after the break. People call Asheville home for all different reasons, and they all mean a better quality of living that reflects their very own uniqueness. Whether you're looking for a funky loft in downtown Asheville, an arts and crafts bungalow in a walkable community, or a small farm to create your own artistic legacy, Appalachian Realty Associates will help you find properties as unique as you. Visit them at AppalachianRealty.com or at their welcoming bungalow office on Arlington Street, right near downtown. Appalachian Realty, helping people call Asheville home since 1979. Latino buying power is huge and rising fast. If you want to tap into this new market, then connect by advertising in Ola Carolina magazine. This glossy Spanish-language magazine is published monthly and reaches over 70,000 Spanish-speaking residents in western North Carolina. Ola Carolina magazine is about much more than just speaking Spanish. It's about Latino culture. Visit OlaCarolina.com and transform how you attract Engage and connect with Latino customers. Fly me to the moon. Let me play among the stars. Let me see what spring is like on Jupiter and Mars. 
Welcome back to Speaking of Travel. I'm your host, Marilyn Ball. You're listening right here on News Radio 570 WWNC and 880 The Revolution. And remember, Speaking of Travel is brought to you by Appalachian Realty. If you're looking for a house or a bungalow or a little farm, you need to contact Appalachian Realty. Go to AppalachianRealty.com or you can visit them in their cute little bungalow right off of Charlotte Street in Asheville. And remember, the Speaking of Travel website, speakingoftravel.net easy to navigate easy to find your way around see some great stories you can download some of the podcasts and listen if you if you didn't if you missed one you can go in and and hear it again and you can also listen anywhere anytime in the whole wide world on your free iHeartRadio app so remember you can download that you can listen anywhere anytime well, my guest today, Dana Ruggiero, is here in the studio. I'm so excited to have her here. Dana, I've been, you were saying in the beginning you were following me. Well, I've been following you <laughs> for quite some time. And really what what you're doing and the impact that you're having um, is just so inspiring It's and important. It's important work. And I just feel so honored to have you here in the studio and have you here on my show. Thank you so much for your time. Marilyn, you're going to make me cry. Stop. <laughs> oh, my goodness. So, Dana, what a great backstory. You know, I love your parents. They are awesome they to get are. you, like, out there doing things and seeing parts of the country that you would never have been able to experience. And it it sounds like you, as you were growing up, you had a free spirit. You were able to, um, and I love the running whole metaphor, too, of just, you know, being a part of that energy and synergy. And the listening part, bringing it all back to the listening part. So you were saying you you went out and you were actually talking to people in the community. How did that feel for you at that point? It was really amazing. I started taking on different jobs after leaving the, you know, the newspaper world. Um, I learned so much there, though, about, you know, communication and news and, and all of the different ways that people share and receive information. And I learned so much about the the online world at that time, too, and Facebook was starting out and MySpace was starting out and all of those things. Um, but after that, I... I really wanted to dig into sustainability, you know, and not just environmentalism, but the sustainability aspect of it. And, you know, I started taking on different clients. And so I worked with um, actually here in North Carolina, Fort Bragg and the Sustainable Fort Bragg program in a greening program doing, you know, eight county regional garden tours where people were able to showcase their solar panels, their organic gardens, their urban farms, their community gardens. And we had, you know, I think it was over, you know, 500 people showing up that day. And we, you know, worked on also green businesses. We were doing all of these different ways that people in their daily lives could, you know, help the environment, could help their community um, be cleaner, help people be healthier as well. And so I worked with a lot of different groups at that time. And then I took a job where, which brought me to Asheville, 
with a group called Green Festival, and I became the national communications director. And so I had, um, you know, traveling to New York, D.C., Los Angeles, Seattle, San Francisco, Chicago, and having an opportunity to work with the biggest names in the sustainability and environmental movements, Bill McKibben, Majora Carter, everybody, you know, and getting an opportunity to help them launch their books, you know, uh, working with Amy Goodman on her book tour, Breaking the Sound Barrier, just amazing opportunity to meet a lot of people. And so I... For the first time, whereas before I had always been in front of the camera, for the first time I got behind the camera and Bill McKibben was the first person that I actually interviewed. On camera. On camera. <laughs> so what was that like? What we did, I worked, I partnered with Discovery Communications and... Um, I had no idea what I was doing. I This was my first camera. I didn't have lighting. I didn't have sound. I mean, I had no idea what I was doing. But it was really fun. We set up Bill McKibben to interview other thought leaders. And so we had um, Byron Schwan. We had folks from Greenpeace. We had amazing individuals that just say, we just say, hey, talk. I just say, just go, you know, Bill, just talk to him. And so we captured these really raw, amazing conversations. And so in the next year at Green Festival, I worked with different celebrities in that way and thought leaders and would kind of throw them together and sometimes do it where I take the, you know, sustainability director at Ford or a major corporation and put that person with, you know, John Perkins, the economic hitman, and say, talk, let's see what happens. <laughs> and what did happen? Amazing conversations, open dialogue and progress, I think, in those conversations where people were really listening to each other. They were there to meet in that middle ground and say, where where can we find our common ground and work together and move forward on these sustainability issues? And how did that unfold over time. Well, so it was amazing. And what I ended up doing is I went, um, you know, I, I left Green Festival and my first tour was with Discovery Communications. Um, and I traveled around California from the top to the bottom for a month, uh, partnered with Chevy Volt actually on that one. And Discovery would publish the blogs along with NPR and we would go all around. I went all around with Discovery to interview farmers, food producers, biodynamic wineries, small gardens in urban farms and community gardens and school gardens. And I probably interviewed two or three people a day for a month and traveled around California and shared those stories and those videos with Discovery. Wow. So... Your heart must have been full. Oh, my gosh, yes. And I had no idea what I was doing. <laughs> but it did something. I mean, you you were passionate about it. You were following a passion. You know, it seems like that inertia of your enthusiasm and the building of, wow, here's open dialogue that's taking place. And here's people who are regular people talking. And I get to listen. Yes. And that's the, you know, the thing that I love right now is that 
at that time, I didn't really know what I was doing, but I knew that I wanted to listen. And now with our smartphones and our, you know, all of the technology that we have access to, I think young people now and everybody really can interview anybody or listen at any time. You know, we can share positive stories. We can share hopeful stories. We can share solutions and we can see that we're not alone and that we are working together, you know. So I really valued that opportunity to be able to listen to those people. I learned so much and to be able to share those stories and hopefully inspire other farmers to be more sustainable, to inspire other food producers to be more sustainable, to, to inspire schools to start their own school gardens. So it really, it, it, it was amazing experience. And did that lead into the Climate Listening Project? Nope, not yet. Okay. <laughs> so we still have a little bit of uh, information that we need to bridge it all together, if you will. Well, you know what? When we come back from the break, let's pick up right there because I want to find out how that bridge happened to get to the um, Climate Listening Project. And I want to talk more about the project that you're working on right now because that was kind of an outreach from all of that. Yes. Well, awesome. Thank you so much, Dana, for being on the show today. It's really so much fun. Thank you. And I've been waiting a long time for this, so I'm (laughs) glad the time is finally here. Well, listen, this is Marilyn Ball. You're listening to Speaking of travel, right here on News Radio 570 WWNC and 880 The Revolution, I'm here with Dana Ruggiero. She's talking about her uh, climate listening project, the other work that she's doing around the world to um, help bridge our, our world into being a better place. Thank you so much. We'll be back right after the break. Latino buying power is huge and rising fast. If you want to tap into this new market, then connect by advertising in Ola Carolina magazine. This glossy Spanish-language magazine is published monthly and reaches over 70,000 Spanish-speaking residents in western North Carolina. Ola Carolina magazine is about much more than just speaking Spanish. It's about Latino culture. Visit OlaCarolina.com and transform how you attract in Engage and connect with Latino customers. People call Asheville home for all different reasons, and they all mean a better quality of living that reflects their very own uniqueness. Whether you're looking for a funky loft in downtown Asheville, an arts and crafts bungalow in a walkable community, or a small farm to create your own artistic legacy, Appalachian Realty Associates will help you find properties as unique as you. Visit them at AppalachianRealty.com or at their welcoming bungalow office office on Arlington Street, right near downtown. Appalachian Realty, helping people call Asheville home since 1979. Fly me to the moon, let me play among the stars, and let me see what spring is like on Jupiter and Mars. 
Welcome back to Speaking of Travel. I'm your host, Marilyn Ball. You're listening right here on News Radio 570 WWNC and 880 The Revolution. Remember, Speaking of Travel is brought to you by Appalachian Realty. You know, they've been helping people call Asheville home since 1979. So I think they really have a handle on what's going on in this region. And remember, you can go to speakingoftravel.net. There's podcast there, photo gallery. You can also go to Speaking of Travel on Facebook. There you'll find podcasts, photos, stories, all kinds of fun things. Well, I'm excited to have Dana Ruggiero here in the studio with me today. Dana, it's so great to have you here and listen be on the listening end. Oh, thank you so much. It's so awesome. And, you know, at the break, we were talking about listening because having that opportunity, as you've been saying, to just listen to people, we start to recognize that everybody's got a story. Everybody's people, right? Exactly. You know, we kind of sometimes think that we're different. And this is something that my mom taught me is, you know, that we all have our own thoughts. We all have our own history. We have our own experiences. And, you know, we never really know what somebody, even in our own personal tight knit circles, what they're thinking all the time, what they're experiencing, what their struggles are. And, and so we never really know. We all, you know, the differences are easy to spot. I was recently filming Ray Christian, who's a local um, storyteller, but also a nationally renowned award-winning storyteller. Um, and he said that he, he, you know, he said that also that, you know, it is once we hear somebody's story, we, we almost can't hate them. You know, we, we can't like, we know them because they, they have parents, they have children, they have experiences just like we do. They have struggles, they have hopes as well. And, um, you know, so it's important to listen to people. And so, you know, that was what I really wanted to focus on. But I knew that I needed connectors to get people to listen at first, like to get their attention, you know. So I started working with celebrities because if you say the name Woody Harrelson, generally people, oh, OK, I know that name. I recognize that and I'm already comfortable with that and ready to listen to this conversation. And so I launched Woody Harrelson's paper, which was made out of agricultural waste. I did the big USA launch with him. I worked with um, on a children's album about nature with most deaf and Talib Kweli and Majora Carter and Bill McKibben and a bunch of celebrities like Cheech Marin and all these folks. Um, and, you know, all of these sort of different things that got people's attention and got them interested in the environment. And so I worked on... Years of Living Dangerously, season one on Showtime, episode four, um, actually was partially filmed here um, in our area in Asheville, North Carolina. And then I had an opportunity to work with the Sierra Club and the Years of Living Dangerously team, the celebrity Ian Summerhalder and the Ian Summerhalder Foundation to do the national promotion of that episode and the coordination of that experience. You know, so um, just at that time, you know, that was that is Years of Living Dangerously is one of the most amazing pieces of film, you know, I think Emmy Award winning, amazing docuseries. So now they've just really, you know, they had released season two and you can find so many of their amazing videos online. But the the thing with that was I was wondering what are the 
what are people doing about it? You know, what resilience, what sustainability, what solutions are people coming up with for climate change impacts? A local friend of mine, Anna Jane Joyner, was featured in Years of Living Dangerously, and she was wondering, what climate impacts are we seeing locally? And so Mountain True and all of us came together. I also was working with other folks, and we kind of came together in these ideas of bringing the impacts and the solutions together. And I went out and started filming random people for, you know, just to listen. And this is where the Climate Listening Project started. Right here in our own backyard? Yes. No kidding. (laughs) Well, I feel so proud. And what better place? I mean, this is a diverse region, not only geographically, but um, people-wise. Yes. You must have had just a wide array of uh, people to talk to. Oh, we heard from fishermen, farmers. I heard from all kinds of community members, business owners. We're also in Asheville. We're kind of climate city. We are the hub of climate change data and information with the NOAA data center here. And so, you know, just to kind of realizing that and learning and kind of meeting new people constantly that I didn't even know were here, you know. So um, Asheville now has the Collider as this amazing center for co-working and colliding of ideas. It's an international hub of climate, you know. And so these conversations between the business, the industry, the science, the data, the communications, the art, all of these things coming together. Um, So I started right here in Asheville, North Carolina. And the reason why that was that time was also important here in Asheville was because 2013 was the wettest year ever in the history of Asheville, North Carolina. Well, my thoughts right now, when you've when you go out and you're interviewing all these people, what are you asking them? So oftentimes in, you know, scientific research, you know, the way that it should be is that you're asking a series of questions that are the same each time. And that way you're gathering data. Right. But this project for me. I wanted it to be a listening project. And so every single question that I ask is probably similar to your conversations where you're really engaged in the conversation. You're really listening. And so every every question is based on the previous answer. I want to know people's personal experiences with climate change, with the fossil fuel industry impacts that we're seeing around the country. And so I started here in Asheville filming local stories, and then I received some funding from the Natural Resources Defense Council, NRDC, and I went to go travel around the Southeast, listening to farmers, following the things that connect us, like celebrities, but in a smaller, more personal way of the food we eat. The food. We all need food. We all love food, too, right? Like the food we eat, the faith that many of us practice or celebrate in our faith, you know, all the different faiths. I started following the business, the, the these connectors that people, oh, I know that. I recognize that. And I will listen now. And so hopefully be inspired and then change. So those first videos um, featuring farmers in the southeast and faith leaders and community members really were the launching of the sort of national climate listening project. Which really became somewhat of a movement. I mean, it was more than just, here's Dana going out and doing (laughs) her, uh, you know, her 
documentary series. It's here's Dana who's really starting to um, change the way that people think, change the way that people listen. I really wanted to connect these hopeful conversations on climate and community. And so, you know, some of those first videos were very targeted. I wanted those sort of farmers who had been farming over 30 years. Laura Lennick is a is a soil scientist that wrote a book on resilient agriculture, and she found these farmers that had been in, you know, farming over 30 years. They'd seen the impacts from climate change over time and the change. And they had also taken risks and gone from conventional farming to sustainable farming. So those videos are not necessarily like, you know, here, general public, here's a viral video like I've done sometimes in the past. But here is a farmer that if five conventional farmers, if five farmers who are you know, depleting the soil or not having diverse species on their land, people that aren't, you know, engaged in the sustainability of the land, that then maybe they would see this farmer and say, hey, maybe I'll take some risks or, hey, maybe I'm more open to listening. And Laura has seen time and time again when she's shown these videos at USDA events or she just showed them at the Stockholm Resilience Institute and at Oxford, when farmers are there and student farmers are there and she talks, it's amazing. And she's inspiring. But when they see that farmer, they listen. They really listen. And so from there, Audubon Society came on as a sponsor. And I traveled to Belize to follow a bird that people love because people love some birds. Birders, they love their birds. (laughs) Well, I'll tell you what, I love the birding too. And when we come back from the break, I want to pick up right there (laughs) and talk about how that kind of... Uh, let me think of a good way to put it. <laughs> Spread the wings for the next for the next phase and what you're doing now. Thank you, Dana, for being on the show today. Thank you, Marilyn. Hey, this is Marilyn Ball. You're listening to Speaking of Travel. I'm here with Dana Ruggiero, and we'll be back right after the break. People call Asheville home for all different reasons, and they all mean a better quality of living that reflects their very own uniqueness. Whether you're looking for a funky loft in downtown Asheville, an arts and crafts bungalow in a walkable community, or a small farm to create your own artistic legacy, Appalachian Realty Associates will help you find properties as unique as you. Visit them at AppalachianRealty.com or at their welcoming bungalow office on Arlington Street, right near downtown. Appalachian Realty, helping people call Asheville home since 1979. Latino buying power is huge and rising fast. If you want to tap into this new market, then connect by advertising in Ola Carolina magazine. This glossy Spanish-language magazine is published monthly and reaches over 70,000 Spanish-speaking residents in western North Carolina. Ola Carolina magazine is about much more than just speaking Spanish. It's about Latino culture. Visit OlaCarolina.com and transform how you attract in Engage and connect with Latino customers. Fly me to the moon. Let me play among the stars. And let me see what spring is like on Jupiter and Mars. 
Welcome back to Speaking of Travel. I'm your host, Marilyn Ball. You're listening right here on News Radio 570 WWNC and 880 The Revolution. Speaking of Travel is brought to you by Appalachian Realty. And remember, you can listen anywhere, anytime in the whole wide world on your free iHeartRadio app. Well, I'm here today with Dana Ruggiero. We're having just such a wonderful time in the studio. I love having you here, Dana. Thank you. And Dana, when we left at the break, we were talking about spreading our wings. (laughs) Tell us a little bit about the wood thrush connection. You know, that was my first documentary. There is a short that's released online, but there's a longer film that we made that's been showing. It just showed at the National Audubon Conference. Audubon Society came on as a sponsor. They had, for the first time, been able to put a teeny tiny little backpack on the wood thrush, which is one of the most beloved songbirds on the East Coast. It has two vocal cords, and it is very unique and special song that it sings every spring that people look forward to we weren't hearing it as much and wondering why is it climate change is it habitat destruction so they were able for the first time to put this tiny little gps on this bird and learn where it wintered it actually started in pilot mountain north carolina went to belize and then went back to pilot mountain north carolina and was captured by the same team and they took the little backpack off and so they asked me to follow that bird's journey and so the wood thrush connection came out of that. And that really inspired me to make documentary style films. I had made a lot of compilations, vignettes, short internet videos with these farmers. And the new documentary is also um, available on online and it's free. People can host screenings. People can show these films. Any of the Climate Listening Project videos can be shared. And so I, the new film is I just returned from a national tour where I went to eight states across America. I went to New York, California, Texas, Colorado, New Mexico, Florida, and North Carolina. I think that's I think that's eight. <laughs> and interviewed moms, moms and women and parents who are, you know, Basically confronting the fossil fuel impacts that we're seeing, the pollution, the air and water pollution, seeing climate change impacts and also a culture of extraction. They are fighting back and they are winning. They're working together, connected by the Moms Clean Air Force. And there are a million moms across this country that are fighting for the health of their children and children has to be one of the most important connectors that we all have. So. How did that even come about? There's so much going on in the world. There's so much news. There's so much noise. How were you able to kind of flush out moms? So basically, in the way that things have gone for me in the Climate Listening Project is that these groups have contacted me. They've all reached out to me, Audubon Society, the Moms Clean Air Force, in the Green Chalice is another group um, where I work on faith videos with. I would just released a faith video that was re- um, released to 4,000 churches across America. Um, but yeah, they reach out to me and it was an important election time and they wanted somebody on the road sharing videos along the way. And so that was the real goal was to be 
sharing these short vignettes about the importance of voting. And I did that. But while I was on the road, I became so inspired by these amazing women that I was meeting. And I was working with local filmmakers, Francine Cavanaugh and Adams Wood, who had just come out recently with On Coal River, which is an amazing documentary. It's a full length documentary. So I had hired these amazing filmmakers and I said, I've got this great team. You know, they believed in me and we were able to create a five part docuseries called The Story We Want because we have to share our stories. And so there's a five part docuseries, The Story We Want, that the first two episodes have already been released at thestorywewant.com. And the videos are shorts that feature different states and different women in each states that are working together and connected by the love of their children and the love of their communities and all children everywhere. Well, Dana, you need to, before we even go on, let us know how how can we find all of this information? I would encourage folks to please connect on Climate Listening Project on Facebook because that's where I'm constantly updating what's going on, where I'm at, where we're going. I've hired over 30 filmmakers in the last three years. I've reached over 10 million people with these videos, interviewed nearly 200 people. I have so many videos available on that website and I, it's featured on over 100 websites. I travel to college and universities and different events to share these videos. Um, I just hosted a big screening last night here in Asheville with about 200 people, and I'll be heading to L.A. in September to premiere at a festival there. And so I'm always going. Things are always happening. And so if you go to the Climate Listening Project on Facebook and you share it via your organization or you put it on your website, I'll add that link to the Climate Listening Project website also, which is climatelisteningproject.org. And everybody that's sort of shares and listens, becomes a part of the Climate Listening Project. Well, I feel that, speaking of travel, is now part of the Climate Listening yes, Project. <laughs> and I'm so glad to to be in that place. And as we were talking uh, earlier, I'd really like to bring you back on the show, Dana, and have uh, more of a series, if you will, around the projects that you're working on and these important issues. Uh, you know, I, I have to ask you, given the climate, if you will, of where we are um, in our country right now, in our world wide, um, where where do you see the future of climate change uh, in people recognizing what it is and what it's really about? I think now with social media and the sharing of stories, we can realize the connections that are happening, you know, what people are, you know, losing their homes, what people are dealing with rising seas, who is, you know, out there, you know, dealing with the drought, dealing with, you know, things that we haven't seen before, major storms. You know, I think I said earlier when I started the Climate Listening Project, it was the wettest year on record in Asheville. When I came back from this last tour, the story we want with Mom's Clean Air Force, it was a hundred year drought here. Things are unpredictable. In Florida, we saw the rising seas. We were there. And Karina, the amazing woman that I interviewed there, she said that 
in, you know, they're predicting that in a very short time, there's going to be 100 days a year that are flooded there. So we're not going to be able to ignore it or pretend that it doesn't happen unless we really have to admit to ourselves that we just, you know, we don't care about these people because they are Americans. There are people that are dealing with natural disasters, dealing with unpredictable weather patterns, um, increased storms, the drought, the, the you know, the, the rain. The, I mean, it's, it is real. It's out there. And so hopefully the story we want film series will show people the real connections between the fossil fuel industry and climate change and the real people that are dealing with the impacts of climate change and the real people who are fighting back and creating solutions. I'm never trying to convince anyone that climate change is real. I'm just showing the real people out there that are fighting, fighting it and dealing with it and creating solutions. And many of them are winning. And many of them are moms. Oh, yeah. I love that. (laughs) And dads and, you know, and it's about the kids, about the children and being able to say we have hope. Yeah. We're borrowing from the future, right? Right. So, Dana, what's on the agenda for you moving forward, Uh, gaining more people to join this project and be a part of it. What else? Well, I encourage folks right now I'm on this national tour sort of releasing the story we want. So I encourage folks to connect with me to host a screening, to share the films. Um, if you want to, you know, connect with these amazing women that are a part of it or with the Moms Clean Air Force, I'll be sort of wrapping that up in September with a premiere in LA. I've been to DC, New York, and Asheville for the big premieres. And I, so, so I've only released two of the episodes online so far. North Carolina and Pennsylvania. So I will be rolling out over the next few months the the New Mexico episode, the um, California episode, and the Florida episode. So I'll be rolling those out here now. And I also um, I also have a couple ideas that I'm deciding between that I can't talk about yet that I'm very excited about. So definitely stay tuned. You know, at facebook.com backslash my climate story. You can also just search Climate Listening Project or visit climatelisteningproject.org to find out what's going on. I love that. Well, we're going to bring you back so we can stay in touch, in tune. You've given us some great kind of action steps to get started. And I just can't tell you how much I appreciate not only you being here today and sharing your time with us, but the work that you're doing that is really going to leave a legacy for so many. It's important work. It's especially important work right now. Marilyn, I'm such such a fan of your work, and I I would love to do a series with you. And I thank you so much for listening. Well, thank you for listening. We, <laughs> we are a listening project, yes! right? I love it. Well, thank you, Dana, so much for being on the show, and we'll get back to you, and we'll stay tuned. Thank you. This is Marilyn Ball. You've been listening to Speaking of Travel. I want you to go out and have a great week, and, you know, start paying attention. Look around look around look look for that wood thrush you know keep your ears open to the to the songbird and what they're saying and remember as you go out into the new week don't postpone joy 